everyone, and welcome back to the Throwback Bookstack. If you haven't listened to us before, uh, we are a podcast where every couple weeks we get together and we reread the books that we loved as kids, the books that really meant something to us, except now we're looking at them through the adult lens, deciding what we love, what we hate, and what makes us wonder, why did my parents let me read this book? I'm one of your hosts, Kelly. And I'm Emily. And this week we are reading Bruce Coville's Jeremy Thatcher, Dragon Hatcher. Now, this was one of my picks because you have never read this book. No, I have never read it. <laughs> I had never read any Bruce Coville book until we started doing this podcast. I've read all of them, so we're going to be doing a few. <sighs> We've already done one. Uh, if you haven't listened to it, we did My Teacher is an Alien a little while back. But this time we're delving into his Magic Shop series. So this book was published in 1991. One of the main things that it's known for is being challenged for witchcraft. Uh, I want to say in Iowa. Yeah, it, this book won the Utah Children's Book Award in 1994. And it also uh, was challenged several times in Iowa because it, quote, contains references to witchcraft and devil worship. So it has that going for it. I find that something that appeals to me as a reader. Of all the things to challenge this book for could challenge it for being like i don't know <laughs> i got nothing but i'm gonna have to fight you by the end of this <laughs> podcast aren't i anyway so this was one of his magic shop series books there were three of them uh the first one i ever read was jennifer murdley's toad which is about a girl who gets a toad it's a magical toad uh and there's also the monster's ring there's a magical there's a magical shop it's full of magical things so i've heard <laughs> It's very entertaining to me. This is not a visual medium because Emily has a face right now and it's doing some things. I take it you want me to give the summary of this book? Yes, please. <laughs> so to give a summary of this book, basically we want you all to be part of the discussion. So if you would like to read this book before hearing what it's about, feel free to pause the podcast, go read it and come back. Otherwise, this book is about the titular Jeremy Thatcher. Uh, he is a boy who is, you know, having a hard time in school because of bullies. And he has a family that keeps a lot of pets. And one day he's heading home when he stumbles across a magic shop. It's a real weird magic shop. And in it, basically, he is looking around and he comes across this opalescent, beautiful sphere. Originally, the strange man who is the proprietor of the magic shop isn't going to sell it to him. But then it ends with him giving him some instructions, selling it to him for a quarter, and telling him that the item chose him. Uh, it is a dragon egg. He goes to hatch the dragon egg. He gets some instructions on hatching it. He basically has to expose it to full moonlight, and he hatches a dragon. He hatches a very tiny, cute dragon, and the book is basically about this tiny dragon. It gets bigger. It causes some misadventures because it is a very hungry dragon. He is friends with the dragon because as the dragon starts to understand and communicate, he loves this dragon. The dragon helps him with some issues with bullies because this dragon does not give a fuck and will absolutely fight your bullies for you. The dragon can also be invisible. It's pretty great. Uh, he ends up making sort of friends with this girl at school who has a crush on him and threatens to kiss him. And then she's the only one that can see the dragon. So it's basically about him in this like brief period of six months of his life after he hatches the dragon where it then gets large enough where the dragon then has to go home. Basically, the dragon lives in another dimension. The role of the magic shop, one of the things it does is it helps bring eggs into this world where they can hatch because they cannot hatch in the other dimension and then the dragons go home. So the dragon goes home. He is sad. And then on All Hallows Eve, he finds out he can still communicate with the dragon mentally. Tiamat is the name of his dragon. 
and basically she when it can communicate with him psychically and when he dreams he dreams of being in through her eyes and being mentally with her and flies at night and it's lovely it's very wish fulfillmenty, and so it's just the story of a boy and his dragon yes ah, Emily. The classic tale I never liked a boy and his dog stories. I was always here for a boy and his cat and a boy and his dragon. I was going to say, I was like, I've heard this before, but before it was a boy and his cat. <laughs> yeah. It's like this cat is a great book and I will hear nothing ill against it. Thank you. Yeah. So this book to me was a book that I read as a kid. I was super, 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 super into Bruce Cavill's books. I read all of them. I eagerly awaited, like when you look in the back of the book and it would tell you when the next one was going to be published. I was always just like waiting for it. This was my scholastic book fair author of choice. This was what always I did when you got that like paper scholastic, the thin newsprint guide to all the books coming out. I was like all of his books. That's what I wanted. Yeah. Um, so I still have my childhood copy. It is sitting next to me right now. Cute. You know, I love childhood copies. This is my childhood copy. It came out in 1991. So it looks very 90s. Yeah, it looks very 90s. Although it's funny. I actually thought it was older than that because the book has illustrations in it. Mm hmm. And, and that's very 70s, 80s. Yeah, they look really 80s. And I mean, part of it, I think, in 91, you know, when the decade changes, not like there's a clear definitive thing. So I also get that like 90 and 91 look more 80s to your eyes. And I also think Bruce Coville's book has a little bit of that 80s hangover to it. Yeah. They're like a little bit throwback to late 80s. Yeah, it felt more 80s and the illustrations fiction. looked very 80s like i thought they were really detailed which is one thing i liked about it was like, i feel like sometimes the 80s drawings were a little more line drawingy like they're a little more basic and these i felt like were pretty detailed they weren't bad i didn't have a problem with them okay they weren't like um what was that book with the drawings i hated the boy in nature my side of the mountain yes those drawings were terrible these were nice they just definitely felt they felt very of the times. Yeah, it felt very throwback, but I was into it. Mm -hmm. um, there were nice illustrations. Yeah, but they were definitely very detailed, and they had that, like, um, pencil drawings, but, like, the pencil drawings with, like, a lot of smooth shading. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> the hairstyles especially in them, even though they were mostly pictures of boys. Well, I guess specifically of Jeremy. Yes. But Boy. They... they uh, <laughs> They managed to look very 80s somehow. Also, lots of pictures of dragons. And the dragon looked very 80s, too. And you know what? I don't know how to describe an 80s-looking dragon, but it did. It does make me laugh because whoever did the cover art for it, the dragon is kind of cute. And I feel like the whoever done did the interior illustration, that dragon is not no, cute. No, the dragon is not cute. That dragon is super not cute. It is very not cute at all. Which is good. Dragons don't have to be cute. I appreciate that sentiment. But I wish I didn't have to read the book to hear it. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So this book was I... super important to me as a kid. This was a book that I loved and read a lot um, because it was very it's very wishful filmony. It is, man, I'm having a hard time at school. My family's weird. Life is hard. Oh, look, I'm super special and was given a dragon to join this ancient line of dragon hatchers. Also, the librarian is apparently like some sort of witch of a long history of also being a dragon hatcher and has like super secret books just for me. It's there's a reason I love Secret Society so much, and this is very in line with that. Sure. I think my problem is, and I will continue to say this, and I'm sorry because it's boring and I can't really describe why, but the first problem for this book in me is that, as I said, I think with My Teacher is an Alien, I'm not a fan of his writing. Like, it just doesn't, to me, it never really gets inside my head. Like, it always feels like I'm on the outside. Like, I can never really sink into it. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's just personal taste, 
the way he writes is not for me. So I think that's my first problem with this book, and it's not really one that's easy to overcome. I think that's a fair criticism, though, because I think one thing I've noticed in a lot of the books you pick is they do focus very much on the interior life of the main character, and this book doesn't at all. It really does focus on the exterior. What is he doing? What is he saying? And it doesn't actually get into his head or his motivations on anything, and that's definitely not in alignment with the books that I know you really enjoyed as a kid. My other problem with this story was that when I was reading it, I kept thinking, I think I would enjoy this better if it was like a long, short story. Like, it felt very stretched out to me, and, like, it was, stuff was added to make it a book instead of an interesting concept for, like, a bedtime story you would tell a kid. And then when you were setting up the microphones, I was bored, so I read the author's note, and he was like, <laughs> this was originally a short story, and I was like, I knew it! Aha! Gotcha! <laughs> no, I think that makes total sense. That was actually the thing that surprised me, because I loved this book so much as a kid, but reading it as an adult, it wasn't as exciting. It was definitely felt like... I had this cool concept of I want this boy to hatch a dragon. And yet you could definitely see like how it would make sense as a short story. The time is the weirdest thing in this book. Yeah, the time is weird. And if you're doing a short story, I think the time makes a lot more sense. Because it, it was like a lot of time was passing, but nothing was happening. Yeah, and sometimes time was sped up. Like when he originally gets the egg and he looks up when it will, when the next full moon is to hatch it. It's like, it's tonight. It's in four hours. And then it takes three hours, and then the egg immediately hatches. And, like, all that happens very fast. But then later it's like, and then five weeks went by. <laughs> it's like, what? I feel like there is a much more detailed story here that either, like, it needed to stay a short story and just be like, I I'm a boy, I hatched this dragon, the night of the hatching either being the story or, like, it leaving or something. Like, there need like I can see it either being a really good short story or, like, it needed to have more happening, like... The adventures and things that happen during the process of I have this dragon is like, oh, the dragon, I need to feed it. There was never really big high stakes with it. Often he solved the problems pretty quick of like, well, I need to keep this dragon from eating my pets. What do? I think there is a universe where it's just it needed to be built up more in what happens. Like, I feel like this could be expanded, but it feels like he didn't really expand it enough in terms of things actually happen. Yeah. To make it a full book. Yeah, maybe that's part of it is that there never really felt like any sort of stakes really yeah he was talking about one of the problems in his author's note that i read <laughs> i'm so proud you read like the author's notes ago. i usually read author's notes but i wasn't planning on with this one i just happened to because it took a while to set up the microphones oh so he was talking about how like he came to solve some of the problems and like one of them was that he was like how do people not find out about this dragon and he was like i can make the dragon invisible to everyone but jeremy and then later mary lou and so it was like yeah this whole thing of like we have to keep it secret and stuff but like it is a se like it didn't feel very high stakes because it was like well it's invisible so. it also made me laugh real fucking hard because basically and now we're invisible is how i played D, D. my dm made the life choice of allowing us a lot more leeway with invisibility as a house rule than was probably something she should have let us get away with so where invisible has basically been my main problem-solving technique for a long time. So I was like, yeah, dragon, you do invisible. I also felt like that, speaking of padding out the story, that the thing that suffered the most was that he added, like, a best friend character and then a girl character. You could take them out, and not only would it not really change much, but the story might be better, because I felt neither one of them were handled that well. The best friend was pretty forgettable. Yeah. And then the girl, oh, Kelly, 
I had so many problems with the girl. I figured you would. Let's start at the beginning. <laughs> Take me on a journey of your hatred. Okay, so you're introduced to her in this art class where she sends him a note and he gets in trouble for having notes. But the note says something about, like, I think you're the cutest boy in class. You have great eyes. P.S. I'm going to find you after school and kiss you. And it becomes this thing where it's like, he doesn't like her, and he literally has to run away from her because two boys are going to hold him down while she kisses him? I have a lot of chicken and egg questions about, were we fed this garbage trope about kissing the kid that you like and tormenting them? Or, like, I hate that this is a thing that we all live through. I hate that this thing we all normalize. I enjoy the fact that we are all, like, hey, you shouldn't be allowed to, like, bully the kid that you like as an expression of affection because that sucks. Yeah. So I'm enjoying this period of time, but it's wild to be how many of the books we read are like, yep, definitely a thing back in the 80s. And it's like, oh, right, it was a thing and it sucked. Yeah, it's not great. And the whole time is very like, I don't know, their whole relationship is very weird because like by the end, they're like kind of friends because it turns out the dragon lets Mary Lou see her as well. And so it becomes like their shared secret and she helps out with the feeding and stuff. So that's how they kind of become friends. But the whole thing of, like, the time when he's walking home from the library and runs into her and they, like, talk and they have a nice time. But then later his best friend is like, I heard that you were talking to Mary Lou. And he's like, no, I wasn't. She was talking to me and I couldn't run away. And it's like, I don't know. This whole thing is just very – It, I just didn't like it. It was very poorly written and it was very, like, consent is a thing. <laughs> like – I felt like it was useful to have someone else that could see the dragon. I think that it was very helpful, especially given that he doesn't get a lot into the interior lives of the character. To have another character to sort of talk to and reflect off of was really helpful. But having both the best friend who didn't do anything and her was not helpful. Like, having one person made sense, but I feel like having both was like, I don't... Yeah, I also didn't know why the best friend was there. Yeah. And I feel like you could have done some interesting conflict of, like... Here's this best friend. I have a secret from my best friend. Just like every single other piece of media we've watched, we're like, what up, Daredevil? Like, I'm keeping a secret from my best friend. This is a source of tension. Right. And it was, but it wasn't. Like, there was tension, but it never fully resolved. Yeah. It wasn't really, it didn't really addressed in a way it could have to create tension. Didn't really go anywhere. Yeah. yeah. And, like, just, I don't know. All the times that he was telling people about how he was upset because Mary Lou wanted to kiss him, and he was really afraid that she would basically, like, force herself on him and people were just like oh young love so it's just like very icky to me it was like this is gross like he said it to his parents a numerous amount of times i'm afraid that she's gonna try and kiss me and i don't want to and they would always just be like ha, it's because you're so cute it's like no that's not a good response parents don't have that response nowadays thankfully we're moving away from that but yeah. we still have so much work to be done and we need these books to remind us how garbage that kind of thing is yeah, I just wasn't a fan. Like I said, their relationships just seem very underdeveloped and kind of like, why are you here? Were you going somewhere with this? Yeah, as a kid, Mary Lou's sort of uselessness didn't sink in. But now as an adult, I'm like, you're not a good character. As an adult reading it and not a kid ever, it feels like he added her in just to have a girl character. Yeah. Which is kind of like, I kind of, I get... I want to appreciate the fact that he was, you know, a man writing these books and wanted to have them have a girl represented. Mm -hmm. 
but at the same time, I just don't think this is a great yeah. <laughs> representation. Like, I definitely had this moment while reading it that I was like, maybe I should have had you read Jennifer Murdley's Toad instead. Because <laughs> it's about a girl with a magical frog. I do like frogs and girls. And you it's a talking this. frog, as I recall. Again, that is a book I have not read since I was 10. So I'm like pretty sure it was her with a talking frog, which I feel like is a much more interesting dynamic than this. The boy and his dragon. Here's the thing I love about a boy and his dragon. (laughs) First off, I always love anyone and their dragon. I read a lot of Anne McCaffrey as a child. I do have some of it on our to-read list. I don't know if I'm ever going to pull that out. But, like, A Girl and Her Dragon is also a story I enjoy. But the thing I did enjoy, I think think what resonated with me as a kid with this book was the fact that Jeremy Thatcher is in so many ways a blank slate meant that it's really easy to sort of use it as fodder for fantasy and to put yourself on him like it bruce covell's book leaves a lot of room because it doesn't give you a character that's super dynamic or super intense to really like just put yourself in the story because why the fuck not and i feel like that's kind of one of the really big appealing natures of his stories is like the characters are bland yes but when you're a kid you're like what would i do in this situation like what would this be for me yeah i just want to hatch dragons as a kid that's all i don't dislike dragons i tend to like them when they show up i don't really search them out i guess although i did see all the hobbit movies just to see the dragon and like spoiler alert don't do that (laughs) it's not worth it um there's a lot of things with the hobbit movies not worth it there's so much talking me and my dad got bored during one of them and amused ourselves by he had a bunch of hard candies and he started unwrapping all of them just to make this crinkly noise to see my brother get more and more angry at us. Was this in a movie theater with other people? There wasn't really other people in your there. Your dad is a monster if this was in public. If this was not in your home, safely ensconced from all people. It was in a movie theater, but there was... I don't think there was anyone else in there. If they were, they were very far away from us. As sometimes one of three people in a movie theater, um, your father is a monster. I'm sorry. It was so funny. And then he stopped and I was like, hey, dad, do you have any of this flavor? And made him do it all again. I thought my brother was going to kill us. It was so funny. You weren't there. No one else. Kelly, no one else could have heard it. Movie theater etiquette is serious business that we all need to respect and honor because we are all in this together and we all want to have a nice movie going experience together. There was no one else but my brother. Mm, I don't believe you. There's always one person in the third row, and that person is me, and I'm like, no, oh, I'm here. Because you're talking about seeing movies in the city, and you should know that this was out where my dad lives, which is not near anywhere, so there's usually not many people in that theater. Also, we tend to go to the first show on, like, a Wednesday, because that's when first it's First off, the, the movie theater I went to as a kid was not a city movie theater. <laughs> I was often one of three people there. But damn it, the three of us in the theater were all there to have a good time. This is a movie theater that literally only had one screen until the year 2017 because the town is so small that there was no need to have more than one screen. But there are so many movies out at once. Yeah, rural town, not many people. Remember what we were talking about earlier about not watching the media handed to you? <laughs> Going and seeking things out? I do now, I'm just saying yeah. that like... <laughs> movie theaters... Don't unwrap your candy in them. Oh, it was so funny. Do it before the movie. That's what previews are for. He was doing it on purpose to annoy my brother. He didn't actually even eat the candy. Me and him were just doing it to watch my brother get more and more angry at us. 
I'm pretty sure you can get legally emancipated for this. Oh my god, that movie was so bad. One time, no, I'm not gonna tell you this. You're just gonna get mad at me. <laughs> I have other things I've done that annoyed my brother at movie theaters. Suffice to say. Well, PSA, my point everyone, was, please respect movie theaters and the group experience. We are all here together to try and enjoy movies as a community. No one else is there. I'm not doing this around other people. I don't trust you or your father. Like I'm saying, I was like, I don't, I really don't think there was anyone else in there that day. Hey, remember that time that we read a book about dragons? No. <laughs> it was for like three hours ago for you. Yeah, I did read it very recently. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like as a kid, the blank slate aspect of this really appealed to me. As an adult, I definitely didn't love it, which was very upsetting for me. And what's with all the bad teachers? Sorry, that was very abrupt change of subject. You're not wrong. Literally every book we've read has had bad teachers. Have we read a book with good teachers other than Wayside School? Because I was going to say, I was like, what about Wayside School? <laughs> Ms. Gorf is the best, and all of the teachers are bad. Um, Besides that book? no yeah we've only had that which is wild because i feel like first off okay in looking at the industry you were relying on teachers to help propagate a love of reading and also help students get these books through scholastic book fairs and also through purchasing them for their school library and also classrooms so why all books from the 70s and 80s are like slamming on teachers because like you need teachers I, also i feel like there is like a crossover between people that have been teachers and people that are writing books for children so why all these bad teachers i guess i just need an authority figure to have some sense of injustice against anna gray gables had at least one good teacher True. but it also had one very bad teacher it feels like the sympathetic teacher and the like parents you rebel against make more sense I feel like we've seen a lot more of the opposite of sympathetic parents with unsympathetic teachers. Yeah. These parents were kind of nothing. Yeah. But the teacher was definitely bad. And I don't really know what lesson we were supposed to learn. Like, I almost think at the end we were supposed to feel bad for the teacher. Like, when he was like, the revelation was, was that the teacher didn't hate him. He was just jealous that he was a better artist. Which and is I was wild. Like, that was the big, I was like, what? <laughs> And also, he was a bad teacher. Like, he was constantly using his power to, like, humiliate him and, like, pick on him and not, uh, like, encouraging him. And also, the fact that the principal, like, knew this and was literally, instead of being like, let me talk to the teacher about how not to treat students, was just like, hey, if the teacher is picking on you, you can just come hang out here. Was like, you're not a good principal either. Yeah, that's not resolving the issue. No. There was also, so there's this weird thing where basically, you know, the teacher is constantly picking on Jeremy throughout the text. And then the dragon responds by basically heating up the teacher's foot during announcement and giving him a hot foot. This results in his class being banned from a big art contest that Jeremy was looking forward to. And in the end, Jeremy confesses that he was responsible, but everyone doesn't really know how he would do it. But that's fine. He, he confessed. So he's banned from the contest. Well, he... The teacher did say it was like, I know it wasn't you because you were sitting too far away. Yeah, so and you're covering for someone. But realistically, I'm like, there's no way anyone could have done this. Right. It's an invisible dragon. No one could have done it. So it doesn't make any sense that he even admitted that he knew that Jeremy couldn't because then he knows that no one could have. And the other thing that didn't make sense is that he was like, well, you're covering some someone so you're punished. Because it was like, yeah, he's clearly trying to do it because he wants people to participate. Like, he doesn't think it's fair that the whole class is, so he's trying to take the hit, like, and if fakely. You think, and if it's you like, think the kid is 
taking the hit for someone means he's probably being bullied into it. So your way of dealing with a kid being bullied is punishing him. Right. This is great teaching. Even knowing that the person he's covering for supposedly is not being punished. He was just a bad teacher. Yeah. And like no teacher that teaches children. He's not even like a college professor or even a high school teacher. He's literally teaching children and he's allowing himself to be so jealous that he takes it out on literal children. I'm also just trying to picture an art teacher being jealous of a sixth grader and I'm not achieving it in any way. I know, right? Like, that's not a thing. I'm pretty sure that's not a thing. If any art teachers out there have been jealous of sixth graders, please let me know. And his, like, weird stipulations on art were so weird. They wanted to, like, the kids were going to enter an art contest, which was basically just, like, draw anything. We'll judge the best one. And he has all these, like, you can only draw things from real life. You can only do, like... List. You can't draw dragons. It was so weird. I was just like, what? And also, he has, like, sixth graders drawing still-life bowls of fruit. Yeah. Maybe that's just how things were in the 80s, but I was like, what? I cannot what? ever remember drawing a bowl of fruit in an art class. Not to say that no one did, but I certainly never did. I didn't either, and that includes college. And also, like, in the end, so Jeremy can't do the contest, and then he's too depressed to, like, do anything with it. His best friend wins. He's just real sad because he doesn't have a dragon. And it just, it seemed like there should be a resolution with the art situation, and there was not. Yeah, there really wasn't. Oh, I guess there kind of was. I mean, he draws again at the very, very end. I guess that's true. Like, at the very end of the book, he, yeah, he picks up some pencils and starts to draw after just not wanting to draw for months. So I guess... I guess that counts. I guess that's a satisfying resolution. Of he found his love for art in his love of his dragon. Shows people that when you're depressed, you start to not do the things that used to bring you joy. This is a very educational book. Go, go talk to a therapist or a doctor. I'm pretty sure they were real bad at a lot of that in 1991. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but this is for now. Yes. Yes, for now, if you or someone you know is not enjoying the things they have traditionally enjoyed, reach out. They might need. They might need a hand. Boy, I'm out of things to say about this book. <laughs> I, it's that's the problem. Is it is a pretty thin book. Like there is, it's it's fast and it's readable, but not a lot happens. It's like I hatch a dragon. Don't want my dragon to eat my pets. My teacher's terrible. Dragon fights some bullies. The end. It's a very fast read. It's not a for very nothing. Fast read. I read the whole thing on the train ride over to your house. Yeah. I mean, you live pretty far from me, but still. But it's not like it was a cross country journey. Like I didn't hour. like pack a bag and get on Amtrak or something. <laughs> No, you would have read so many books in that time. Oh, yeah. Different books, not just this. (laughs) So, and I mean, I read fast. So much of the book is not about inner things, that it's like, I don't have much to say. If you enjoy his writing and you like this, it is a fast read and it is all just like, this happened and then this happened and then this happened. That's why I think that the friendships are kind of wasted because there's not a lot of introspection on them Mm -hmm. it's mostly just like yep he did those things (laughs) do you have any quotes Uh, let me see i have a quote Mm -hmm. it's kind of random it's on the first page of the book didn't you hear the school school board has frozen spending he asked that means no new paper orders for the rest of the year so tell me is another sheet of paper needed because the drawing was so bad or because your talent is so important so this is his teacher shaming jeremy the thing I found fascinating about it is you are talking to a sixth grader about, like, frozen spending and paper orders, and I feel like that's real as shit. 
which made me very like entertained. There were just a lot of moments with teachers where they actually do get into like the real problems of like school financing and spending, which made me laugh real hard because like when I was a kid, there was a lot of issues with strikes in the school district and things like that. So we all got very invested in like school spending when we were in elementary school. So I was like, oh yes, this is a very real problem and also not what I expected on page one of a book for children. Most of my quotes are about things I've already discussed. Okay. But except for this one, which I've forgotten about until this moment, and was a moment that made me say out loud, what the shit? Uh-huh. Um, so I will read it to you. It's when he's saying goodbye to Tiamat? Is that how we're saying her name is pronounced? Yes. Tiamat, Tiamat. Did you really choose me, he asked. She replied with a flood of warm assurance. Why? I like the colors in your head. I knew we could share beautiful pictures. She poked her head, which was as big as a horse's, over his shoulder. I will miss you. And I will miss you, replied Jeremy, smoking, stroking her scaly nose. Beneath her eyes, he felt a piece of hard material. It came away in his fingertips. When he held it up, it sparkled in the light. What is this? Dragons weep diamonds, replied Tiamat. Yeah. What? I just, it was such a... I, that's where I was like, thank God this book is almost over. Because it was such a weird thing to throw in at the end. And like a weird piece of dragon lore he was adding in that came kind of out of nowhere. And I think it was only added to later that he can see that the librarian is wearing a diamond ring. And being like, aha. Yeah, but it means he has a diamond and that's real cool. And he can make fun jewelry out of it. Oh you gosh. just have no sense of joy. I guess. <laughs> Not when it comes to weeping diamonds. I mean, it's a dragon. Whatever. Um, also, I learned in this book that Midsummer is not on the summer solstice, which makes zero sense to me. But I also think it's not on the same day every year, so it's weird that they were like, when's Midsummer? It's July 23rd. June mm. 23rd. Not July. Why isn't Midsummer on the solstice? <laughs> there are many questions we have to ask about this book. Well, I mean, I think that's just a life thing. I just don't really get it. I actually don't know when Midsummer is. <laughs> I looked it up. That's what I was Googling when you were <laughs> telling the summary of the book. I think it changes every year. Okay. But it's always around the solstice, which, of course, is June 21st. Yeah. Look, I'm not here to question why we make certain choices about... I mean, I have a lot of questions anyway about... Midsummer. Midsummer. <laughs> it doesn't even feel like midsummer. Because isn't it well, summer solstice the start of summer? Well, summer solstice is when the it's the longest day, basically. Yeah. It's not the start of summer? I wouldn't say it's the start. I don't know how seasons work. Well, I mean seasons are a little bit arbitrary. <laughs> yeah. I'm from California. We don't we don't engage with these seasons. So most people would say that summer is like June, July, August. Yeah. Only because you would want to put, you know, if you were dividing up the seasons. I so if you were really having a midsummer, it should be July 15th. Sure. But I guess. Not. But it weather doesn't break. also. The all-star break should be midsummer. But weather doesn't always work that way also because even though, like, you know, places that are further up north and stuff, by the end of August, it's basically fall. So in that case, like. June would be kind of midsummer, you know? But some places, like, summer really stretches till the end of September. The mistake here was having anything called midsummer. This was a mistake. I think that the, the real thing is that midsummer is in your heart and it's in your location. <laughs> like, 
the midsummer was the friends you made along the way yeah but no i don't think i would say summer solstice i mean i guess it depends because people say like you know it's like saying that the winter uh is it also called a solstice yeah yes is the start of winter and it's like you can yeah and two equinoxes i just couldn't remember which which for a second um but it's like but that's dumb because no one would ever say that like december 12th isn't winter like you wouldn't be walking down the street in december being like what a nice fall day (laughs) like you know i might i'm the asshole you're just being contrary oh completely That's how I live my life. You know, so it's like, I don't really buy that the solstice means it's first. But I also don't think it's the middle. It's just the longest day, people. Do you want another quote? Yeah. I don't want Tiamat to go back, said Jeremy sullenly. I want her to stay here with me. Miss Priest laughed. It was not a horrible laugh at all. What a terrible idea, she said. Why do you want her to stay? Because I love her. Because I don't want to lose her. Miss Priest reached out and took his chin in her hand. She looked into his eyes. You silly boy, she said. Nothing you love is lost, not really. Things, people, they always go away sooner or later. You can't hold them any more than you can hold moonlight. But if they've touched you, if they're inside you, then they're still yours. The only thing you've ever really have are the ones that you hold inside your heart. Why don't you want nice things? This is a nice book with nice things. (laughs) You know me, I don't like nice things. It's just nice. Um, I have another quote. So this is when Jeremy takes his best friend, Specimen, to wander around and try to find the magic shop again. Mm -hmm. And they can't find it. And so they've been wandering around for a while. Um, What's so important about this place anyway, asked Specimen. Jeremy couldn't figure out a way to explain without telling Spess things he shouldn't. Because they were both tired, this led to an argument. Fine, shouted Specimen. Next time, take Mary Lou with you. Grabbing a pile of art supplies he had loaned Jeremy the week before him, he stormed out of the room. Great, thought Jeremy glumly. Now even my best friend is mad at me. So the reason I highlighted it was because it felt like it skipped over the most important part, which was the entire argument. Yeah. Like, it just really skims, and it's like, they had an argument. And it's like, this is what I mean, whereas, like, these characters, his friend characters, are not fleshed out. Yeah. And you could like, have shown that and actually given some impact. Yeah, and seen more of, like, specimen side and seen more of, like, their friendship. You know, like, fights are a great way to learn about friends. It's in, like, every show ever. That's all my quotes. I feel like there wasn't a lot for us to do on this book, which makes me very sad because it was so heartwarming to me as a child. But as an adult, I'm like, it's fine. Yeah, this is what I mean when I say I think it would have been better as just a short story. You know? Like, maybe all his magic shop stuff should have been one book. That's actually what I was thinking, is you could just have a, a little, like, three-story... three, three story, What's the word? Book. <laughs> Compilation. Mixtape. I'm not helping. <laughs> well, I never claim to be helpful. Anthology. There you go. Could have been a little, like, three-story magic shop anthology. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, like, a part of me thinks, oh, of course, Jennifer Murdley totally, like fleshes out better but now i'm like maybe it doesn't i haven't read it since i was 10 maybe jennifer murdley's toad also isn't fleshed out no yeah i don't know if that means i should reread it or not i'm very scared uh there are also no descriptions of outfits in this book just descriptions of red dragons i know that's real hard for you i know that's a deep wound to your heart and your soul and who you are as a person 
I like outfit descriptions. You learn a lot about a person. That's what I mean. I don't know anything about any of them. What are they wearing? According to the illustration, the art teacher is wearing like a vest and a bow tie, which is a crazy way for a teacher to dress if you ask me. But art teacher 91. I don't know. Is that how they all dress in 91? Can't prove it's not. I feel like my art teacher in 91 was a lady and I can't remember what she wore. Best in a bow tie. I know. I can't help but think I would remember that because that'd be dope. The real key here is we should all be wearing vests and bow ties more. Well, ladies should. Ladies look great in suits. True. I want a good lady suit. Yeah, I know. Me too. It's hard. You really have to get it tailored. And then it's like, you got to find one you're going to wear enough to make it worth it. Yeah. And it's like, but. That's why when at some point in my life when I have like a big achievement of some kind, like I get a new promotion and I get a new job and I have achieved something really good, I'm like, my reward to myself lady suit every time i was a bridesmaid i tried to convince them to let me wear a suit oh god that's never such a idea. worked okay so i've been in approximately eight thousand weddings i hear you <laughs> uh my goal is to no longer be in any weddings but i think this will be the condition i set that i will only be in a wedding if i get to wear a suit yeah i can't help you because i don't plan on getting married and if i did i don't think i'd have a wedding but i mean same but i would wear a suit to your wedding or yeah. Wear a suit to your announcement of telling me that you eloped with someone. That's more likely. We'll get fancy suits together. Okay. For each other's non-weddings. Okay, but I gotta pick a color, because that's really my hard part. Navy for me. <sighs> Actually, or gray pinstripe. I want, like, a white one, but I also don't know if that would look good on me. But someone in a white suit just looks so snazzy. I know. Or you could get, like, an old school one, kind of like, what's her name? What's that movie with, like... It's like a rom-com, and she has, like, the white, baggy, like, 80s suit with the baggy pants. I'm sorry. The only suit I can think about right now is the white suit that Rome wears in Magic Mike XXL, so. That's not it, but sure, I'd wear that. Yeah. Ratings. Oh, sure. We should rate this book. We have to have a number because you need to put it on the Goodreads, and I don't know how it works. Yeah. On it. Are you putting your number or my number or the average number on there? I think I put both of them in, like, the comments somewhere, and then I average the two numbers out, okay. and I put that as our official rating. Okay. But it's also hard because then I have to – I think they only go to five, yes. so I have to do some voodoo magic. I have a whole system. All right. So uh, I think you should go first because I like to have my heart broken before I give my rating. Aw. Three. <laughs> All right. It was – fine like i don't want to bash it too much because i think like i said a part of it is just that like his writing is not for me to me it felt like glossy like i just couldn't get into it like there was like a shield and i was like i read it and like i keep saying i think i would have liked it infinitely better if it was just a short story so it's not the worst thing i've read but it's a three for me <laughs> for me it's looking at four and a half mm -hmm. um i think it's a book that I would still recommend to kids. I think if you are a child in elementary school, I still think this is a book you will enjoy. I think it's a book that you can put yourself into really easily. I think it's a book that has a bit of spark of magic and fantasy that I think is really important. But it's not a book that I think has rereadability as an adult. I think it's a book that's pretty flat because it doesn't get a lot in the characters. So I think it's fine. I think it's still really good for kids. It's just not for me anymore. And that's really sad. I am now old and have no spark of joy in my heart. My soul is dead. So is my deep abiding love of this book. I would recommend it to people who like other Bruce Coville books. Yes, I think that's a good recommendation. Me and our former guest, Alex. Yes. We're the audience for this. 
There is, there is one more Bruce Covo book I think I'm going to make you read. It's different. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'll get you back. It's the one that I'm like, oh, no, I do actually want this on our list. I was like, do I? And I'm like, no, actually, I do need to reread this one to just. It's all right. I have endless sad journey. historical fiction. <laughs> I, I'm aware. I have seen the list of books that we have to read. A lot of those titles look real sad. <laughs> How does a title look sad? Okay, some of them do sound sad. But <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all we got today. I know this was a bit of a quicker one. If you want to write to us, you can write to me, and I will, in theory, pass it along to my dear friend Emily. Uh, you can reach us at throwbackbookstack at gmail.com. We are also on Twitter, and by we, I mean me, uh, at throwbackbspod. What's Twitter? <laughs> yeah. You knew I was joking, but your face was still, like, very funny. Yeah. But seriously, I'm not on Twitter. <laughs> you are not on Twitter. You will never be on Twitter. And I am at peace with this. Yeah, we have a Goodreads, which I've posted a link to on Twitter because I don't know how to get there. <laughs> I don't know anything about Goodreads. It's Emily's job. Yeah. Other than that, we'll be back next time with starring Sally J. Friedman as herself. Another romp with Judy Bloom. Yay. So please join us again next time. Our music is Heartbreaker by Desar at betterwithmusic.com. And other than that, thank you all for joining us. I hope you all enjoy Hatching Dragons, and goodbye. Farewell. I hope your soul is also broken and dead like mine now. I'm literally dancing over here. <laughs>